This morning I want to look at one line from Psalm 65. Oh, I got a new assistant. Thank you. That's a promotion. That's a good sign. Thanks, uh, Mr. Dharmasiri, for developing another level of leadership. Psalm 65 was a psalm, it's, it's a national psalm that was written by the psalmist to proclaim God's goodness. And there is one line that really gripped my attention, and that's Verse 11. In verse 11, the psalmist give thanks to God for a year of fullness, blessing, favor, and well-being. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of people seem to misinterpret favor from a scriptural basis. Favor in the Bible is like an old man's tooth. Thank you, sister. You have a heart of service. Thank you. Everybody looked at the paper. You only had the courage to come up here. You are blessed. Psalm 65 verse 11 talks about a year of favor. Thou have crowned the year with your bounty. I don't know whether I'm experiencing a miracle, but I'm doing better without my glasses than with mine. Miracles still happen. They say, as you go older, your eyesight deteriorates. I think mine just keeps improving. Because I can see all of you who are here, and I can see those of you who should be here or who are at home. We still praise God for your life. The psalmist is using symbolic language to talk about the abundance of life far beyond material things. We know from scripture that when we walk with God with the integrity of our hearts, there is an overflow of material blessing in our lives. But there are many hundreds and thousands of believers in developing worlds who have a faith that is much stronger than ours because they don't have the comfort levels that we have. That doesn't mean to say they are living a less abundant life because they have discovered the secret of what true blessing is from God's perspective. And it is interesting, as I began to look at scripture after scripture and, and try to see life from uh, various viewpoints, I began to realize that sometimes my understanding of favor needed a bit of adjustment. You can live in the most challenging of circumstances and still walk in the favor of God. Wow. And that amazed me. Because in Genesis 37, 
and don't, you don't need to turn to it. Joseph served as a servant in the house of Potiphar. He had a great destiny and purpose. We know that. But in the midst of serving the vision of somebody else, he received the favor of God. And it gets worse. He ends up in a prison for a crime he didn't commit. There are a lot of people in prison today who say they never committed the crime. But here, God endorses the righteousness of Joseph. And yet, in a prison, the favor of God comes upon him. So favor is not just limited to living in the good life. Everybody wants the good life. And that's not a bad idea. But life doesn't always meet or match our expectations. You can live with the favor of God upon you in a struggling marriage if you understand fully what grace and favor is. And my wife said, Amen. Living with me is not easy. She discovered that after she got married. But now it's too late. For better or worse, till you mount the hearse. We are still making adjustments because we are personality-wise like chalk and cheese. And you know which part the cheese is and which part the chalk is. Right? So you might wake up in the morning and you might be having a difficult day in married life. But when the favor of God is on you, the grace of God enables you to live and walk past those struggles because you believe that if you truly follow the path that God has designated for your life, as the Bible says, the favor of God is upon you. Then I discovered that favor is often found scripturally in the field. And uh, I looked up Ruth chapter 2, not this Ruth, the Ruth in the Bible. I, I couldn't let that go, right? Uh, she was gleaning in a field, working hard. And when the favor of God came upon her, there was a divine connection that helped her go forward into destiny and purpose. Wow. Wow. It seemed from the outside that Ruth had no destiny. And yet she was faithful to do the task that was assigned to her, gleaning in a field. And suddenly in God's supernatural outworking and his sovereignty, the favor of God came upon her. And out of her line, the Messiah came. Wow. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. You just don't need the good life to walk in favor. As long as you're walking in obedience, 
The psalmist says you can look forward to 2023 because God is the source of favor. He said, you crown the year with your goodness. You. Who is your source? Your employer, some relationship. In any relationship, there will be limited expectations. But when you understand the favor of God, you can navigate those tensions because you know that the only person that can stop you from arriving at your destiny is you. Joseph was in a bad place. He was in a messed up family. And it's very interesting because Genesis is the book of beginnings. And everything good and bad is reflected in the Genesis accounts. He was born into a family that was absolutely dysfunctional. And yet the hallmark of his life through those challenges he experienced the favor of God. So take your spiritual blinkers off and don't look at how difficult your struggle might be, how challenging uh, some other area of life might be. You, oh God, crown the year with your bounty and your paths drip with fatness. Now, you know, they say medically that too much of fat is not healthy for you. We know that, don't we? But in the Bible, fat is used to describe the abundance of God. In Numbers 13, verse 20, it's symbolic of well-being. In Leviticus chapter 3, verse 16, all the fat belongs to the Lord. Fat in the Bible means goodness, it means grace, it means favor. That's the definition. And here he's talking about harvest blessings. Israel was an agrarian economy. So they, they, they fully understand. When you read your Bible from a, from a Jewish perspective, it makes greater sense because you, you understand the context. Uh, we don't understand too much about agrarian economies because we don't really work in fields like they used to do. But they fully understood the significance and importance of the favor of God coming upon dry fields so that when the rain came, God blessed the seed that they were sowing. And so in order to receive favor, there is a part that God does and there is a part that you are responsible for. You know, don't get me wrong for saying this. Uh, it's all well and good to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning and do your daily devotions. But your daily devotions by themselves doesn't guarantee the favor of God on your life. There's some work involved. Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Go into the harvest. Ruth had to walk into a field and bend over and glean what was left over from that harvest in order to receive favor. 
when we think of favor in a western christian context we think of the palace wow you know my heart's desire is to be like joseph to go to the palace to go to the palace you got to survive the pit you got to survive accusations falsely and you got to go into a prison for something you haven't done it takes you about 50 years of christianity to come to that realization when i was young and got newly saved and god touched my life supernaturally i want to change the world oh wow and after 10 years nothing happened then i said lord i i, I want to change my city still nothing happened until i said god change me in 1989 there was a prophecy spoken over my life by by somebody who's well was well recognized as a prophetic voice in this nation and so you know i went out and i bought a suitcase and uh, i've got luggage tags and all that and i'm i'm waiting to take on the world took me 15 years to get my first overseas invitation 15 years because god teaches you some principle called process to possess the promise you got to survive the process and the process is challenging because it takes the me out of me the great apostle paul he made an amazing statement to the corinthians he said i die daily wow and you know something when god wants to kill you or kill something in your life he will send into your life the person you most dislike to do it that's the hard part how many of you can see that now just just look back on somebody you know whom you dislike i i'm i mean they could be sitting here too this morning you never know right you, you could have a room full of them but but am i right how many of you think i'm right sometimes it's a mother in law you know there are more nasty songs written about mother in laws than father in laws for whatever reason i don't know i just picked it up on somebody <laughs> you crown the year with your goodness and you know something in the book of joel chapter 2 verse 25 the blessing of god which has been lost through neglect and disobedience will be restored when you turn to him that's a promise joel 225 says i will restore all the years that have been lost i've seen that in my life i was reflecting on my life yesterday and I, wow i lost everything through bad life choices but because god is faithful to his promise everything that has been lost can be restored to the extent that you don't even feel you have lost anything the book of jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 to 18 god says call unto me and i will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you did not know of 
So God has a plan for your life. For every one of us. But in order to discover that plan, we have a responsibility to call. That's our responsibility. In Zechariah 1 verse 3, it says, return to me and I will return to you. God has to become the number one driving influence of your life. Then you don't need to follow success. Success is an overflow of your relationship with God. It's so simple that we miss it. So the basis for divine goodness and favor is determined by God. Your paths drip with fatness. In Jeremiah 6 verse 16, there is a, a, a text where Jeremiah is speaking to the people of God. God always speaks first to his people. That's the lesson of history. But the lesson of history is that we never learn from history. Seek the ancient paths. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths. What are the ancient paths? The writer is talking to us and was talking to the church of his time about returning to the ways of God. When God is a priority in your life, walking in his path is easy. But you know, in spite of that, they didn't return. When your life is in some area of disobedience, there is an outworking. You can't avoid it. Because God is righteous. As we look forward to favor, God has the power within himself to crown what he desires to crown. It's talking about royalty there. You crown. You, you, you see, in just recently the king of England was crowned. There was a coronation ceremony. And when your life and mine is crowned by God, because we are walking in obedience, it is visible to others around us. People are drawn to Christ not through our words, but through observing our life. You are the greatest message. When people look at our lives and they see there is something distinctively different, they want what we have. To live in the fullness of God means there could be tensions and struggles and challenges along the way. That's what the psalmist says. Our life is never trouble free. Joseph had to endure hardship as did Jesus. Hebrews, there's a verse which says, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So somehow, when we go through some painful period in life, there is a spiritual, therapeutic value to that experience. And we come out better because of the grace of God. 
God doesn't do all the work, although he can. In Proverbs 24, verse 30, the writer says, I walked past the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man who lacked sense. And it was overgrown with weeds. Wow. And I've seen this. I see it all the time. I see people with, with so much of potential. And I think, oh my gosh, if I can only get my hands on them, I can draw that potential out because that's my responsibility. And yet, because of their lack of enthusiasm for the things of God, you can't do much. And those are the times we are living in. The statistics of people walking away from church life in the Western world is frightening. And hundreds and thousands of people are walking away from church life, number one, because the demands of the gospel are too challenging. We live in a day and age where the millennial generation, whatever you, they are called, have a culture of entitlement, which is totally contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross, deny yourself daily and follow me. They don't want to do that. They want the blessings of God without the hard work, without the obedience. It's staggering. I was reading an article just last evening and it, it, it's shocking. Well, it takes a lot more than a daily devotion to see a harvest. The Bible says those that sow in tears will reap with joy. So there is what we call a sowing process. You don't keep the seed of God's word in your hand carefully. You know, I've got to ask the Holy Spirit to tell me whom I'm going to give this out to. Just shove it out. Give it away. Take a hundred tracks and just give it away. You will never know in eternity who has been touched through that tract. I used to have a friend in Malawi who pastored over 100 churches. He was the son of a prostitute. Couldn't read, he couldn't write. He used to pick food off a garbage bin because Malawi was a pretty, it was and still continues to be a pretty challenging place to live in. And, and one day he, he just put his hands in the dustbin and, and something came up and uh, it happened to be a page of a Bible. And, and this man couldn't read or write. But, but the moment he opened that, he could read it. Wow. Now, he's not a Christian. He has no Christian background. He doesn't even know who fathered him. And yet, in that defining moment, through that page in a Bible shoved into a garbage bin for whatever reason. God knew exactly who he was, 
where he would come to to put his hands in that bin and God reached out and touched him and he pastored over a hundred churches with prison ministry and you name it, he had access to the president of his time all because of that piece of paper. Uh, some people say, you know, I don't believe in that. Yeah, they, because you don't believe nothing happens. You never know. When you take the seed of God's word and fling it out somewhere into the universe, this side of eternity you will not know. I, I heard the story on, on Christian television, J.J. John, who is a Christian evangelist in London, he was sharing the story about a Sri Lankan pastor and I happened to know who, who he was. Uh, he was in the south of Sri Lanka, he was walking down the world road and, and then suddenly out, out of his car, uh, out of a car, somebody threw a sheet of paper like that and, and out of curiosity, he just grabbed it and he began to read it. Right. Began to read it. It was a gospel tract. God's sovereignty is beyond that 16 ounces of gray matter in what you call a brain. And he got saved. Do you need somebody to share the word with you? You don't. God in his sovereignty can touch a life. And the guy who threw the paper would not know this side of eternity, that act. And so now, number two, he decided he got to find the church. So he went to the closest church, he made inquiries, and he used to sleep in the kitchen there. And after some time, he went to Bible college and, you know, became a pastor, and then something dramatic happened to his life. But it all took one act of stupidity from somebody sitting in a car going, driving down the south of Sri Lanka. Because the person who had that tract believed that the word of God will not return void but will accomplish what it pleases. Sometimes we have all the head knowledge but no heart knowledge. That's it. It's so simple. There are hundreds of stories like that. I, I watched a, a video many years ago of, of a militant in the Gaza Strip. The son of one of the top three in, in, that, in that terrorist organization. The son, somebody gave him a tract. In Israel. And he read the tract. And God touched his life and he had to leave the Gaza because there was a thing on his life. But all because somebody just believed one simple act of faith would bring a harvest. So my friend, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Don't limit your belief system. They that sow in tears there is a sowing process involved in a gathering of harvest. Without the sowing process, you have no harvest. It's hard. It's painful. It's demanding. But you can rejoice when you see the fruit. 
This church was started in a little school hall. And my gosh, would I have ever thought we would come to this day and this hour. Not in my wildest imagination. But I had to choose to sow when I had no guarantee I might see a response. But I had to be obedient. So let me tell you something. This harvest and sowing and favor are interrelated. You don't just say, I believe it, I receive it, I claim it, and it'll happen. It won't. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, Out of much affection and contraction of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Wow. Wow. So you want to see a harvest? There are some tears involved. Trust me. My bucket's full. No success without tears. Psalm 22 verse 3, God dwells in the midst of his people. Where God dwells, grace and favor are there. So in closing... I want to challenge you today as you face 2023. God, I want my year to be a year of favor. Determine in your heart what favor you are really seeking. If it is material blessings, just go and work a little harder, a little overtime here and overtime there, and you'll be looked after. But you know something? I've noticed those people, they're miserable coots. Because they work so hard to make more money and save more money, which is going to be gone anyway, if we believe the Bible. And God, when I looked at my super about three weeks ago, 25 years ago, I could have got a heart attack. But it didn't worry me. What I lost was humongous. Because... I realize that the favor of God is not contingent on what is in my super. Now knowing some of you as I know you, you'll go home and check that out. And when to take a Valium, I got shocked. And the, the guy who, who, who does my accounting he tried to soften the blow. I said, look, if I truly believe the Bible, things are not going to get better. They might just get worse. But I have insulated myself because I walk in the favor of God and nothing that I have ever wanted in life has God withheld from me. I, I don't have need of anything. I live a simple life, so. I was going to say something, but I let it go. <laughs> you don't want to get into too much trouble. I'm just content. Paul says, in whatever state I am, I've learned to be content. When you are content and you have peace within, nothing can take that away. Everything that's happening around you has no impact on your life, emotionally speaking. So I want to encourage you today, redefine favor. 
it's god's goodness and grace if you have lost something god has the power and ability to restore it but if he doesn't do it the way you expected you can still walk in favor because your path drips with fatness and when you walk the walk things will begin to happen in your life when ruth walked into that field i don't think she was expecting her destiny to change she had no understanding of her future she didn't things were bad to glean from a field you you must be really struggling in life but god in his supernatural sovereignty connected the dots of her life and began to bring things together where she saw the favor of god and the favor of god was not because she married a wealthy man no 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 there are some girls who say you know pastor all i need to do is to marry a rich guy then i'll be okay <laughs> hello <laughs> you know where the favor of god was when through her line the messiah came ruth was spiritual enough to recognize that so it takes discernment to walk in favor as we close now you know when you have some heart issues and uh, you know your ticker is not working the way it normally should you have to have an angiogram an angiogram gives you a true assessment of the inner and sometimes as we look at 2023 maybe we should ask god to do a spiritual angiogram on our lives to discover where the blockages might be and say god i just need to get rid of some stuff i just need to get some perspective don't get overly spiritual but i need to glean like root did in the field of your word yesterday i i made a decision to make intimacy with god the number one priority of my life for 2023 for, for me the way i'm wired it's not easy i have more angles than a pyramid but i made a decision that intimacy with god has to be a number one priority god first everything else second because out of that relationship there will be an overflow of favor you know we we live in one of the most affluent and greatest countries of the world but that very thing can work against us if you are not careful secondly thirdly sorry we need to decide how best those conditions could be reversed if you have a spiritual challenge then you need to ask god to give you the grace to reverse those conditions by making wise wise life choices don't neglect the field that god has assigned to you your life before you do ministry fix your life right do some gardening take away the weeds and believe god to water the seed you sow wherever you sow it right round us is opportunity but so often we are so busy we miss it
you can be spiritually working with little result. I don't know about you, but for me, I, I, I was contemplating this yesterday, the most exciting years of my life, apart from the church I planted in Sri Lanka, soon after I got saved, four or five years after I was saved, uh, a home meeting which grew to about 60 people, the most exciting time of my life was the COVID time. That was a time of greatest productivity for me. When everything was shut down. Because I had single focus. And I was able to do a lot of things that were much on the heart of God. Because I knew there is harvesting opportunity amongst the challenges. Sometimes we can get so focused on the challenges, we lose sight of the opportunity. So I want to encourage you, 2023 can be a year of God's favor if you determine the path that God has destined for your life. So when you are facing 2023, don't look to Instagram and TikTok to counsel you. That's the fashion now. Nothing against those things. Use those things as tools to share the gospel. Every week, I put out on my social media two texts that are relevant to hurting broken people. Because I know out of the 200 plus people who I connect to, many are unchurched. I am not interested in getting a like from another Christian. I had a, last week, I told my wife, I had a pastor friend in, 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 in Pakistan, not the one who watches me, uh, to get some points from my sermon. He's saying, today is my birthday. Please like me. He needs to go for some therapy. Please like me. And I looked and I felt sorry for him because nobody had said happy birthday. So I got distracted and I went in and I looked at some of those, what do you call the emojis, emoji, whatever. And I was thinking, I said, and I thought, I got to be nice, David. I felt the Lord, be nice, be nice. I know how difficult it is for you to be nice, but be nice for my sake. At least he got one. You know what I learned from a preacher yesterday? I learned to reject myself and criticize myself after I preach a Sunday message, so that if a remark comes that is negative, it doesn't hurt me. That's wisdom. This guy has a church of 15,000 people, and, and he used to struggle with that tension, because as soon as he finishes a ser sermon or service, uh, next day he's, he's scrolling to see how many like me, how many dislike me, you know, even on a bad day or good day, somebody's not going to like what you say. Starting point. But of the one or two who may not like it, there are 90 others who do. So he, he learned to reject himself, and then when somebody else rejected him on social media, he said, I've already dealt with this stuff. 
all that. So, you know, I want to encourage you, maybe look at your social media platforms in a new way. Look at your social media platforms as a great opportunity to take the seed of God's word and fling it out there into the universe. Because I can assure you that somewhere God has positioned somebody who will just hit your page out of curiosity and the seed of God's word goes into a place and to a person it could never have gone before because they will not go to a church. So simple. Serve God with your whole heart. 1 Chronicles 28, 9 and 10. That's what 2023 should be. You want a year of harvest? Then God wants a year of commitment. It's not complex. Because if you don't do what is assigned to you, God will shove you out and put somebody else instead. You know, for Samuel, Samuel is grieving over Saul. First Samuel 16. And there's a lot of confusion about how long he grieved. We really don't know, but it was a couple of years. And God was patient with Samuel. But God shows up and says, Samuel, I have finished with Saul. Now if you don't get off your behind and do what you're called to do, I might have to replace you also. Take your horn of oil and go to the house of Jesse because I have provided a son, a king for me. Wow. That, that, those are sad words. Those are sad words because a young man called Saul allowed small things to grow big in his life. His insecurities got the better of him. And so David was a replacement for a king who lost it when he didn't have to. Wow. Wow. So 2023 can be a year of fullness, of fatness, spiritually speaking, of abundance, just depends on how you look at it. If you look at your life as an evolving thing spiritually, then you can survive the hard parts, the difficult parts, the dry places. There will be dry places. There will be no sign of rain. But if you keep sowing, the seed of God's word into your life and into the life of others, I assure you, he will send the rain. He will send the rain. And so, so the psalmist is, is writing after a season of sowing that the rains have come and it has filled the trenches and there is an overflowing and there is an abundance and there is a cause to rejoice. And that can be your testimony and witness. Shall we pray?
I want to pray for you and with you. You just put your hand up and put it down if God has spoken. Just put it up. Yes, yes, yes. Just say, God, I want a year of abundance spiritually. Seek the kingdom, other things follow. I want a year of fulfillment. I want the year to be a year of spiritual blessing. I want to see you not only just work in my life, but through my life in the lives of others. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are realigning our wills with your will. And so today we pray blessing and favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we want to truly say, Lord, crown my year with grace and favor. I'm not going to look back to what I have lost in 2022. I'm going to look forward to the blessing and the destiny and purpose of God you have for me, which will unfold in 2023. Thank you for your word. I draw strength from it in Jesus.